Can you hear my internet yep. here? Yep. So, We're, all right. I can Welcome hear to the Church internet. Podcast. Talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined here on Facebook Live with Chris Wesley. Hey, man, how are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. I, I You know, I, I have to laugh because uh, with us going on this Facebook Live thing, this is the second time we've done it. We were all jazzed up to um, like put out promos and everything like that. But between our crazy schedules, we had the shift. And then, um, you know, uh, I love how we start like two old guys who never used the internet before. And everything. So obviously it's episode 104. And, um, you know, uh, basically uh, we're not going to be talking about how to Facebook live stream uh, your ministry. Um, but uh, actually, um, yeah, uh, John, um, I'm excited about this because uh, I put there out on the Facebook sphere. Uh, send us your questions, and we already have a question um, from Brittany uh, Molda. So, shout out to Brittany um, on uh, the YM transfer uh, with a question about um, a previous episode that we do, did. And uh, I don't know if you want to introduce what that question was, John. But. Well, sure, absolutely. I, I was really excited about this particular question. She had referenced a previous episode where I had talked a little bit about change management and how you go about making change. But the reality is, Chris, that we actually haven't really delved into the idea of change management and the processes for change very much. And so I thought Brittany's question was actually really good in, in terms of thinking, it's like, how do we help leaders in ministry help lead change? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because, you know, the, the reality is, and we know this, we've talked about on the podcast, is that the world of church is changing and needs to change, given what's happening with with young people disaffiliating. Even just today, uh, the day of this recording, I was looking at Pew Research Religion and they were posting all this data about how less people are calling themselves Catholic, less people are calling themselves Protestants, church attendance keeps going down. I mean, it's all the stuff that we've known, you know, we have data on it, but obviously mm -hmm. the trend continues, this kind of downward slide. And so that creates a lot of urgency to do something different uh, and how we've done from how we've done it before and, and I, this is where I think Brittany's question is great because we come into ministry and we're like okay we believe that we we can't do things the way that we've always done them when it comes to maybe our, our faith formation or youth ministry or liturgy or whatnot and so we have to think differently we have to think outside the box and so her question is how do we systematically go about I'm kind of reading it into it how do we systematically go about creating change i think it's a phenomenal question that we should all be reflecting on if we're in ministry yeah definitely definitely and it, it's a question that i think we can kind of feel a little helpless or hopeless on um especially if we're not the pastor or we're not the business business administrator right it's kind of like um how does someone as um a dre or a youth minister or um you know, even the administrative um, assistant, like initiate some of this change. And I think uh, what we have to believe is, is a huge principle out there. And maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've overheard it, but it's basically, um, you know, change comes from the ground up, right? Um, you know, leadership is at the top, but like, if you want to influence things, it, it, I, I firmly believe, John, and I don't know if you would agree with this, that real change does come from the ground up and there's tons of ways to influence up. <laughs> yeah, no, John Maxwell says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And, and with that in mind, he basically says leadership has nothing to do with title. Right? A title can make a difference. It's a level of leadership. 
But he argues, and I absolutely agree with him, that influence is key. So if you have influence in any part of your life, which all of us do, that makes us a leader in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our work, our school, our peer, whatever it may be. So regardless of your title in ministry, you're a volunteer, you're a business manager, you're a youth ministry coordinator, whatever it is, you have influence um, because it's how you work with people and relate with people. And so whether you have the, the top in the hierarchy, it doesn't really matter. Change from the top, helping lead it. Yes, it is. But that we know is not always a reality. So sometimes we have to lead from the bottom up. And what does that look like? And that is the question for us that I think we're, we need to delve into today, Chris. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So again, if you're just jumping on, um, you know, uh, through the YM transfer, uh, and uh, we'd love for you to share our questions. If you're listening on the rebroadcast through the church podcast, um, you know, uh, what John and I have committed to do is uh, once a month uh, to jump on live to answer any questions in real time, but also to, um, you know, help you guys um, just just talk about some of the things that are, are going on. And it's a chance for us to learn more as well as share more. And, uh, you know, earlier today, just put out the um, question, hey, uh, or the request for you guys to bring out your questions. And we're talking about um, how to effectively initiate change, get other people on board. And another important part of this, John, too, is without upsetting too many people um, uh, when you're new at a parish as well. And so, um, you know, you just you, you, you quoted John Maxwell and, and talked a little bit about how like leadership, again, is not about a position. Um, but it, it's like, you know, like how we use that responsibility that we're given. Um, let, let's talk about, um, let, let's take a step back and, and play different, play out some different scenarios, right? So if I'm a new person on staff, right? Um, I know the temptation is that I'm going to have to um, want to create a lot of change quickly because I'm going to see things differently and things that are fresh uh, from a fresh perspective. I'm also at the same time though, going to be limited because I'm not going to know the history or the Genesis behind, you know, why certain things function the way that they do and everything. So if I'm new on staff and I'm feeling this desire to change, what would you recommend or some of the first steps that I need to take? Yeah, you have to go slow. I mean, if you're brand new on staff, the reality is you don't have enough influence yet. You haven't built the relationships that, you're, that are required for you to institute change. So maybe you can start doing some little things within your job description, within your ministry role that you can start to affect uh, and, and make possible. And, and absolutely, you need to start doing that. But first and foremost, our responsibility is when we're new is we got to start building relationships with everybody and that includes your everybody on staff and that includes parishioners and so first and foremost you've got to start building that relationship so because it's only when you're in relationship with people that are people who listen to you and respect kind of your thoughts on this they'll probably support you right now right because you're new and they want to support you you know but they still don't know you right and especially if brand new community that you've never been a part of before like that some time i have absolutely been in that situation where i'm just like uh i'm gonna change i'm gonna change i'm gonna change quickly and and i've gotten a ton of pushback because i just didn't have the rapport established yet to do that that's a first and foremost and we got to give ourselves a break 
that this thing that we call church is important and we want to change right away. But until you have relationships with people, you're going to set yourself up for failure if you try to move too quickly. So start with relationships. Definitely. And, and I think um, on top of that, what I would add is recognize the fact that you might want to go at a thousand miles per hour or you might want to go at five miles per hour. But what you have to discover is what's the pace of the team? What's the pace of the group, right? So um, there's so many times where you come into ministry uh, and you might be filled with just so much energy um, and it's really taking a temperature of like, okay, what pace are other people um, going at? What, um, like, are my ideas going to be too far out there? Um, or are my, like, do I need to step up my game in order to um, help the change that, that's needed to happen? So yeah, building relationships and with those relationships, understanding the pace. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's kind of pivot a little bit and look at people who've been there for a while, right? Let's just say you've kind of, you've been in your ministry for a while and you just want to create change because you have had like that Popeye moment, right? You can't stand it. You can't stand it no more. Um, you know, what are some ways to rally people around and create change, especially uh, when you have these relationships and you understand uh, where people are in the ministry? Yeah, where I really follow uh, the advice of John Cotter. John Cotter is an author and he wrote an incredible book called Leading Change. Uh, and, and that's definitely worth looking at if you're in ministry leading change. But I, I really love what John Cotter says in this book is first, first people have to understand why change is even important. Why would we even consider it? And, and so the first step is, is, is this idea of, of create some urgency around it. Like, this is, we're not changing just for change sake, a reason that we need to change because we're seeing drop off, we're seeing young people not present, we're seeing nobody attending mass, giving, people aren't giving of their time, talent, treasure. So we have to somehow start to create some urgency because if people don't see a need to change, they're going to resist you all the way. And so this is where I think it's helpful to be really up to date with what's happening in terms of the research and data with church and a lot of that now actual level, but, but also localized as well, you know, start to track the data in your community that helps us understand that there needs to be some sort of urgency around this until people, look, people don't change until they absolutely have to. And oftentimes it comes through pain and hurt and for leaders in church, what hurts is seeing giving decrease and attendance decrease and whatnot, right? And so if we start to articulate this in, uh, in a very valid way, then we're going to be able to create that urgency and that energy that's going to get people to buy into this idea that we need to look differently at how we do things. And that's the first thing. So we got to create that urgency and create that energy that change is necessary. I think that's the first step. And part of that is analyzing your parish community and seeing what is the reality in your demographics in your parish. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I know a tool that we've used is SWAT, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, I think, uh, you know, there are other things out there. Uh, we've talked about the book, The Advantage, before with Patrick Lencioni, where you examine your objectives and do a rally cry and things along those lines. Um, do you have any other tools or suggestions that people can use to help do an evaluation system to sort of, uh, you know, uh, not only uh, address uh, change that needs to happen, but recognize it. 
Well, those are the big ones right there. I mean, just doing kind of that SWOT analysis, I think is really, really powerful way of, of going about it. But, but making this part of a regular part of your guys' staff agenda and the work that you guys are doing. So how are you guys looking at your goals and priorities regularly over the course of the year, right? Uh, quarterly, you know, at least a couple times a year. Um, I think that's a big piece. We got to come back to what we said we wanted to do this year and see how we're doing with that. And part of that is just holding each other accountable. You know, so how do we create the accountability structure to say, hey, we said we were going to do this, but we're not doing that or we're not meeting this particular goal. And, and the only way we know is if we're regularly visiting and paying attention to those goals one on one with your supervisor, but also as an entire staff, but also with your volunteer team as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's uh, let's bring that question to to the group, uh, people who are watching everything. What analysis tools or evaluation tools are you using? Would love to hear your thoughts in the comment box and everything. Uh, let us know um, what's working for you guys. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this, John, but we've got another question um, in the Facebook group uh, that I think would be fun to tackle too. But, um, you know, let's talk about how do you help people change that are resistant to that change, um, you know, on your staff, let's just say like, um, let's say you are in a leadership position. So it's not about convincing uh, your leader to change, but convincing your team to change. Like, let's just say it's the business manager or the youth minister or someone dragging their feet on uh, something you want to do as a parish. What are some best tips or uh, practices to bring that person along? I think a big part of this is understanding what's the vision that you have, right? And so, you know, again, just going back, to this idea you don't change for change's sake so if if you present the case and there's urgency around the change that's necessary well then good what are we going to do about it i think we need to develop a team of people whether it's a pastoral council or a special steering committee that takes a look at this that really helps you formulate it and drive this to big picture thinking so i think forming that team getting the buy-in from the team and then creating the vision because people get excited about vision right and people see what could be and that's what inspires people to move whether it's staff or volunteers or parishioners and so if we can't articulate a vision of what could be well, then we're setting ourselves up for failure there as well. And so I think that's the first step, you know, is, is once you create that urgency, you've got to create that team that's going to help you, you know, create a third step, create a vision in terms of where we're going and what we want to do. And that's what's going to get people on board. That's what's going to excite people. Don't be one of those people that says, we have a problem. I can't stand that because I'm sitting there going, good, I'm glad you can analyze that there's a problem but help me figure out what we're going to do about it now. That's what leaders do. Uh, and that's what we need to present. And that's how we get people to buy in is creating that vision. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's tackle another question. Um, if you're, if you're good with that, are you, you good yeah. with that, John? All right. Sure. Absolutely. We can go wherever. So this one comes with uh, from Bob uh, Ferretti, who I know is from New Jersey and uh, give him, I'm going to give him a little shout out. He, maybe he can, uh, sponsor us but he uh he runs a hot sauce uh company called caldo and it is fantastic um so bob if you're listening to this and you want to send us some uh, free hot sauce uh we would not refuse it but anyway um bob writes this as our ym youth ministry grows a number of kids are bringing their friends who are not catholic or christian we welcome them with open arms and don't hide the reasons we meet to know jesus better to love jesus better and to live like jesus better 
how can we better welcome them in? So um, yeah, a question of how do we, uh, you know, they've got this great uh, situation. I wouldn't even call it a problem where Catholic friends are bringing their non-Catholic friends. Um, what are some things that, uh, uh, that uh, we can do to, um, you know, better welcome them in? Yeah, well, first of all, kudos to you. That's huge. The fact that there's youth ministry out there uh, that is inviting non-Catholic friends to come. I mean, that is, that's a, that's a good for you. You guys are doing something right there, right? Um, but where do we start, Chris? I think, it, again, it starts as how do we make people feel comfortable? So pizza, just give them pizza. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So there's so much more than that. So. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a start, right, Chris? That's I was going to say, you've been out of youth ministry way too long if that's your solution. But um, <laughs> no, but like, it, it, I think the first thing you need to do is create a culture in your ministry where everyone, even the kids who come every single week, um, like understand this culture. And that's, you know, welcoming people at the door. So that I think sometimes what's hard about being the new kid is if you're not an extrovert, if you're not outgoing and all of a sudden the spotlight's on you, um, like it can be very jarring. Uh, I mean, even as an extrovert, John, I don't know if you feel this way. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. And I, I know I'm using that word strongly over and over again, but I cannot stand when I go to a mass and I'm new and people are like, if you're new, please stand up, raise your hand so we can see who you are. Um, even as someone who's an extrovert, even who's someone who doesn't mind getting on Facebook live to speak, oh, yeah. you know, and everything like that, I can't stand when I'm called out like that. So um, with new kids, I think it's important that we, uh, like lean away from that spotlight of like, Hey, if you're new, like let's over celebrate you, but create a culture where everyone who walks in is welcome. So, um, having people at the door who greet and check in people, uh, whether it's their first time or, um, their hundredth time to come there, uh, collect information so that you can follow up. Um, and so have like little, uh, contact cards that just have their name, email address, um, phone number, their parents' name, their parents' email address, just something simple that they can fill out so that you can follow up with them a little later on and, and greet with them there. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing too, is if they end up signing up and registering one thing that we do do, and this might kind of contradict what we were saying, uh, what I was saying before is we've now started giving out uh, a Bible and a UCAT to all of our new students that register. So not visitors, but registered. And it's kind of like a, hey, welcome, here's your toolkit, here's something that you can get excited about in that regards. Now, that might be sort of, uh, you might need to be careful with your budget there, but I think giving like a little like, hey, thank you gift um, or thank you follow-up is a great way of creating a welcoming environment for, for kids, whether they believe in Jesus or not. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and I would I would add kind of taking a from the playbook of Sherry Waddell forming intentional disciples is, is, is build an environment of trust. It's all about relationship first, right? And so we have no idea where these kids are coming from, what their experience is. We know a lot of people have some negative experience of Catholic Church, right? Or have heard different things in the media, certainly today, about what the church is. And so we have to be okay wherever they're coming from, whatever their relationship with the church is, whatever their relationship with the Christ is, with Christ, and not to judge that, not not to uh, not to be belittle that, but really accept where they're at. And I would go back and say, your meeting before, your leadership team meeting, I think it's important to dialogue great place right now. We are bringing people to youth ministry who don't usually come. They're non-Catholic. 
our goal is to welcome them, include them, help them feel comfortable, build that trust. And we need to understand that they're coming with all sorts of worldviews of, of what they think about what church is, what they believe, what they don't believe. We need to accept them where they're at right now as they come and visit. Because again, Sherry Waddell says, we got to build that trust first before we can move them into an area of formation or catechesis or teaching about the church. If they don't have that trust and then that curiosity, then, then we can't go there. So we have to really be on the lookout, Chris, for making sure that we're not coming off judgmental, which sometimes happens accidentally. And because I admit I've done that as well, that yeah. we're really welcome and making them and letting them ask their questions and, and not, not laughing at them, for instance, when they ask something that may be totally silly from a Catholic perspective, but they don't know. And how does right. that make them feel? Right. Little stuff like that, I think is huge. And I think having the conversation prior to coming with the leadership team, I think is essential piece and of, of being an evening community. I think that's important. Yeah. There's a couple of things that you said that like, I want to touch upon because they're, they're really good. So, um, you know, one, not making them feel silly or stupid. I think that's where we have to look at, um, our branding, our, our lexicon, you know, like the terms that we're using when we, um, have our program. Right. And so, you know, if, uh, I know a lot for youth ministers, we're famous, right. For creating programs. Um, you know, you might use like the life team, the edge or, you know, um, uprising or, or something along those lines. But, um, you know, uh, people who are not in church world or a part of your church, even if they are from church world might not understand what those things are. So it's okay to say like, Hey, um, like our high school program is called the underground, come to the underground, our high school program. Right. So that they understand that. Or if you're um, talking about catechism or catechesis, you know, be aware that that's a, that's a church term that unchurched people, um, especially uh, non-Catholics, even if they are Christian, they might not know what catechesis means or catechism is um, along those lines. So it's about being, um, you know, uh, aware of that language. The second thing, John, that you mentioned too is trust. And, and another thing that we like to do in our youth ministry, and I think is essential, is when a student walks in, we're like, hey, what grade are you in? Um, you know, where do you go to school? And then immediately uh, we're like, oh, you're in seventh grade. Let me introduce you to the people who would be your seventh grade small group leader. Or um, if I'm familiar with that school, because we have multiple schools that chime in, oh, let me introduce you to so-and-so. Uh, I think they go to your school. Or do you know so-and-so? Which is probably better to ask, do you know them? Because you wouldn't want to partner up a kid who might be bullied by another kid you know, in that regard, it's not that that happens in ministry, but, um, you know, find someone to connect them with. That's not just you so that, um, they have the ability to build that relationship and you can continue to lead and, and greet people as they go along. Yeah, I think that's exciting. I think that's an exciting place to be. And that's where all of our ministry should be youth ministry, adult ministry. We should be in a place to invite people. Catholics uh, to come. So again, kudos, great question. And we need to do that with all of our ministries. Good. Awesome, Bob. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you so much. If you got questions, maybe we got a minute or two for uh, another one, or we can save it for our next show, whether that's pre-recorded or, or live here on Facebook. Um, if you've never um, checked out the church podcast before, you can go to the churchpodcast.org. Uh, we've got uh, over a hundred episodes of just fun and fantastic stuff. Some of you guys who were on here today have um, actually um, been a part of that show. Doug Took, I am looking at you, man. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, we would love to have your questions, uh, uh, talk about some of the things that you want to talk about. 
Um, and uh, feel free to submit them here on Facebook at the YM Transfer, or you can email us at questions at the church podcast.org. Um, John, uh, any final thoughts? Um, it doesn't look like we, we've got any additional questions, but any final thoughts um, or on today's t- subjects of uh, influencing or uh, uh, welcoming? Yeah, uh, going back to the idea of change, change is a big one. This is an important conversation, and they're really, we have to be really intentional about it, uh, and, you know, and and really think through that because change doesn't happen easily, especially in church. Like nobody likes change, and so we have to give more time and energy into that. And 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 Chris, this is this 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 question, Brittany's question about change is exactly what we do with the parish success group when we come in and work with parishes. Is we go through this change process with them and and help help parishes understand what's the reality of today. Um, and where do we need to go? We help them create a vision and goal, uh, and then we start to help them implement them. But it's, we always say that it's, it's, it's got to be your vision. It's got to be your goals. It's not John Ronaldo's vision coming in here and helping you out. And so, uh, but change management is probably one of the hardest things to do in ministry today. At least that's my sense. Uh, and uh, that's what we're about as Parish Success Group. So if you're interested in learning more, certainly come check us out, parishsuccessgroup.com or reach out to me directly. All my information is there. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook uh, at John Ronaldo. That's good. That's great. And uh, yeah, any questions about youth ministry, children's ministry, feel free to reach out to us at marathonyouthministry.com or you can uh, reach out to me at Marathon Youth Ministry on Facebook or Instagram or Chris R. Wesley on Twitter. Um, You know, we're here. And again, we appreciate all that you guys do for the church. Um, and we also appreciate your reviews. Uh, we would love a five-star review on our iTunes page. You can uh, tell us how we're doing. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, definitely get maybe a more polished version of, uh, of this show. Uh, but uh, for the most part, um, thank you so much for all that you guys do. Uh, thank you so much for working in the trenches of ministry and know that you are not alone. Uh, John, uh, as we close out, um, would you uh, close us in prayer? I would be honored to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Love you, gracious God, as we, we look to our ministries, as we look to potentially change what it is that we do, as we look to uh, potentially invite former Catholics to our ministry, Lord, we just invite you into the how to evangelize in all that we do. And remember that this is what we're called to do. Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, says that we're called to go out and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that's, that's our calling, Lord. So help us to do that in all of our ministry and all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.